Hello everyone and welcome back to the Artistic Futures podcast. My name is Marie and in this series I will be meeting some extraordinary people who work in music and opera and who are keen to share their passion with the next generation. From performers to conductors, directors to choreographers, you will get an insight into how a range of artists built on their career, turning what they enjoyed doing and were good at into a profession. Again, it will be full of useful tips and advice for those of you who would be tempted to give it a go. So, let's get started. In this episode, I'm pleased to welcome violinist Byron Parrish. Birmingham-born, he started playing the violin age six, having free lessons in school. He then went on to study at the city's Royal Conservatoire before joining Simon Wattle's City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra in 1998. With them, he travelled the world, played the most inspiring music in some amazing concert halls and worked with fantastic conductors and soloists. In 2015, Byron joined the Orchestra of Opera North first violin section. He loves the music, the passion, the brilliant singers and the beautiful theatres. Hi, Byron. Thank you so much for coming to the Education Office this morning. Um, We've known each other for quite a while. You've been involved with a lot of our projects in education over the last few years, and you work full-time for the Orchestra of Opera North. Correct. Thank you. Um, I wanted to ask where your passion for classical music comes from. Did you grow up in in a family that was into classical music, or is it something you came to by accident? Um, I, I kind of fell out of the sky. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I fell out of the sky. My dad, he he made cars, so he was he worked at British Leyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he trained as an engineer, and my mum was a medical secretary. So basically, when when somebody came to school when I was six, this is in Longbridge in Birmingham because we lived just down the road from the factory. Uh, when somebody came to our school and said, "We're starting violin lessons. Who want? You know, does anybody want to learn?" And there was about thirty people put their hands up, and then. They could only have space for six. So I was fortunate. I was one of those six. And I, I, I remember clearly sitting in the car on the way home and saying to mum and dad, I'm going to learn the violin. And they were like, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to learn the violin. So that's how I started. I, I didn't know anything. So why did you put your hand up? I don't know. I was yeah, just like, it's, just... it's a violin. Yeah. I'll have a go. That's I'll cool. try. Yeah. So you had never heard someone playing the violin before? Not really. I mean, we, we, you know, we, we didn't really that. You know, it wasn't really on our on our radar. Yeah. I think when I was about five, we went to a concert. She's just passed away, actually, a Tara Bim Tovim, mm. uh, flautist and uh, educator. And I remember going to the Birmingham Town Hall and seeing her. Maybe that was a bit of inspiration. I don't know, but yeah. we, we certainly didn't go to concerts growing up in Longbridge in the seventies. It's the age of Red Robbo and trying to hang on to your job at British Leyland and everything else. Yeah, so that's how I started. When did you realise that's what you wanted to do later in life? I think I really enjoyed it, and I did quite well without being amazing. I certainly wasn't one of those sort of men you in school or Cheetahs or that, that kind of standard. I sort of toddled through, and then in my sort of mid-teens, I suddenly sort of made that shift. I'd gone to a, a, a grammar school in Birmingham, King Edward's, and then I suddenly decided, right, right, that's it. 
I learned peripatetically and then I went privately with somebody else. And then I started with a chap who played in the CBSO, Jeremy Ballard. Okay. I think he probably lit a flame in me and I was like, oh, go on then. And I had a lot of catching up to do, I think. So around sort of 16. So you have careers advice at school, don't you? Of and, course you and, yeah. I, and I went to I went to go and sit in with the, the deputy headmaster um, and he said, so what do you want to do, Parish? And I was like, I want to be a violinist, sir. I want to go to music college. And he was incredulous. He said, that's a terribly unstable profession, Parish. Are you really <laughs> sure? Um, How did your parents react when you um, them? They were fine. They are amazing, yeah. actually, yeah. all throughout. Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of the thing I've picked up on you know, in later years as yeah. a teacher and educator and mm-hmm. is that parental support yeah, is, yeah, is, sure. like, is, is the key thing, isn't it? Yeah. And they, they were amazing. The whole family yeah. were just like... So even though you didn't have approval from your, your head... No, exactly, had, yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. supporting... Exactly, at home it was like, oh, this is amazing, you know. Yeah. They've always been... That's great. You, know. you, you spoke about that teacher you had who kind of inspired you, but mm. has there been anybody else who has had um, influence? And, yeah, and, he was amazing. And then... And then I, 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 I scrambled into Birmingham Conservatoire, beavered away there, and then I was going to go to the Royal Academy, had a postgrad place at the Academy, could not get any grant or any money to go. So I then had an offer of lessons from the leader of the CBSO, Peter Thomas, and he said, well, if you don't go to London, then you can come and learn with me, and right. I, I won't charge you, just come and have lessons. And oh, wow. So I, pl- I had lessons with him, and I played in his chamber music group. So that was my postgrad, and so... You know, Jeremy kind of laid the sort of inspirational ethic, and then and then Peter kind of sorted me out in many respects. Great. And do you do you remember the first time you went out to listen to a symphony orchestra and what that felt like? The first time I ever heard a sim- an actual symphony orchestra was the Birmingham Schools Symphony Orchestra. Oh yeah. So I was in the Birmingham Schools Intermediate Strings at that time, so about thirteen. And then I wandered through, it was in a big, in Lords of School in Birmingham, and we were on a break, and I wandered through, and they were playing, let's get this right, Swan Lake. <laughs> and I was like, oh my goodness, they've got like horns and brass and winds, and that whole sound was like amazing. So I think that was the first time. So did you go back to listen? I sort of did, yeah. I mean, the CD was just coming in, so, yeah. I, so I, you know, so I bought my first CDs, one of which was the Walton Violin Concerto. But I think the first one was Sibelius, Svanik Concerto, mm-hmm. Elgar, that kind of thing. Well, you, you went on to study. Yep. How did you then manage to do this transition between being a student and mm. actually getting a job as a violinist? Because it's quite a big leap, isn't it? Massive. Yeah. You know, and coming through Birmingham Conservatoire, you know, to be realistic and fair, you know, you're, not, you're probably not quite there. So I think you need an extra bit of kick mm-hmm. to really come through and... I got onto the City of Birmingham Symphony Orchestra's uh, string training scheme. So okay. I did some sessions there. That was in my final year at Birmingham. And that really was like an absolute eye-opener. Sitting alongside um, first violins on about desk three, you know, under the nose of Silent Rattle and amazing conductors. You said it was a eye-opener. Yeah. In, like, in which sense? Eyes, light, eyes light did a plate, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy, holy moly, this is like... Oh goodness! Yeah, just the speed that mm-hmm. they learn things and you know getting things done in like a day. Yeah, play it the first time, you scramble through, and the second time it's got to be correct. Yeah, basically, it's just the massive repertoire there is for the violin. Anyway, you know, in the yeah, symphony yeah. world is like it's humongous. Mm-hmm. So getting to grips with all that was 
quite a challenge. How, how did you go about it? You just work your, you know, proverbial off, don't you? I mm-hmm. mean, you, you know, you, you sort of, right, I've got to get there now, I've got to do this. Yeah, so that was really formative. And then, of course, you then finish college. It's like, right now, what? Did you have to work as a freelance for a bit? Yeah, yeah so I freelanced. Got my first sort of trial periods with CBSO and other orchestras and started freelancing around based in Birmingham. That was the, sort of the next five years, really, was doing that. And in my head, I sort of set myself a goal. I was right, I was right, right. If, I'm, if I get towards sort of my late 20s and I still haven't got myself a salary, then I think I'm, I'm going to have to try something else. Fortunately, I didn't get there and joined the CBSO in '98. So, how how was that? Like uh, working with such a really an amazing cool. orchestra? Really yeah. cool. It was it was sort of mid to end of rattle. He's a man with a plan. You know, there's always I- ideas there and force of nature sort of dragging everything along. So that was you know towards the Millennium series of sort of amazing contemporary music, and then we were doing tours. You know, all of a sudden you're going around the world. We went around the literally around the world, America and Japan, yeah. uh, for a month shortly after I joined, and Salzburg, and so for so for a lad who grew up in Longbridge with kind of like those horizons, and then all of a sudden you were yeah. then, you know it's amazing actually. So I guess I've always had a kind of naivety in a way. Mm. You know, every, everything's new. Yeah, and that must have been like really exciting. Yeah, exactly. And then you joined Up for North, I think, in 2015, if I'm right. Correct. Asked. Well done. What has that been like? Because I imagine it's quite different working for a symphony orchestra than it is playing for mm. an orchestra which accompanies singers. That's right. Um, it's, it's kind of a massive change and somehow the same mm-hmm. because we do concerts as well. And that's yeah. always attracted me yeah. to Opera North, actually. Mm-hmm. One of my first auditions was for Opera North. Which I, I reminded David Greed of actually was how he, that went. Oh right, <laughs> how did that go? Well, it was a bit of a car crash, but oh, you know. <laughs> but yeah, finally joined. You know, I love the fact we do concerts and projects, but also just the opera thing of being, you know, you're no longer the centre of attention in mm-hmm. a sense. You know, yeah. in the symphony orchestra, you're there on stage all the time, people are looking at you. Yeah. Obviously, in the pits, we're below stairs and. I quite enjoy that actually because you know you're part of the product and a major central part of it you know but you're not the kind of focus yeah and new tunes and you know new repertoire in your podcast you you have all these different people on and bumping into those people like you know you're on the yeah. stairs you'll bump into Nikki from Wigs and then you then you'll bump into David Cameron the head of music and then you'll bump into an amazing singer you know, who doesn't really know you, but you know them and you sort of struck up a better conversation. It's really cool. Have you have you had a favourite opera you've been working on since you've been here? Salome was incredible when we did that on stage mm-hmm. and having Soprano yeah. doing Salome and she was like right next to me singing that amazing music. That's really cool. Coming back to Tosca again, it's one of the first operas I ever played when I was at college. So those kind of things you know well, but you... Really enjoy it. The Ring was really fantastic, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was a bit like boot camp, but it was Yeah, I mean, camp, that, like, I'm wondering, when you play something like The Ring, mm. like, physically, it must be something, like, really challenging as a yeah. violinist. Or, or, or there, there must be pieces like that where, yeah, yeah. actually, it's quite... It's, it's when it drops on the doormat and, and, you know, you send for the part or whatever and yeah. Gott of Demerung falls on your doormat and it's 96 pages long and yeah. you, you, you start looking at it and you're... Oh. How, how do you cope with that? Well, you literally just have to learn it, 
like yeah. a couple of pages a day, really, you know, yeah. through a three page, because some of it is impenetrable. Mm-hmm. It does go in after a while. So mm-hmm. you just have to trust the process. Really, yeah. just think, right, you know, I'm going to do two pages a day. And then when I come back to those two pages in about a week's time, week or two's time, then hopefully it'll still be mm-hmm. in there. You just be, work up to it. Yeah. It's like a long run, I guess. It's like running a, doing a running race, isn't it? You kind of, you start off a little bit and then you build it up gradually, you know, yeah. so I think. Um, and then before you know it, you're playing a ring cycle in a week. And that's, you know. Yeah. So that was really cool. So as as a professional violinist, what does a typical week look like, if there is a typical week? Well, yeah. for me at the moment, as it stands... We did a week of performances last week. We did six. So that's, that's kind of a typical week at this time of year. Alongside that, I'm appearing with the, the Opera North Youth Orchestra, um, playing the Walton Violin Concerto in December. So I'm beavering away at that. So I had a couple of rehearsals with the conductor last week, just playing through with him and getting, getting, you know, getting to know each other. So I'll be practicing for projects for next things in the future and, you know, alongside doing things now. Yeah. And then, obviously, cutting the lawn, washing the car, <laughs> walking the dog, <laughs> yeah. alongside all of that. been uh, involved with quite a few of our education projects in the last yeah. seven years now. I was wondering why you are interested in being involved in this project and what you get out of it. I sort of see myself in a way aged six or seven or eight coming through and you know starting to play. So I sort of think well you know I, th- I think we all have a responsibility to nurture those folk in whatever way you can. I'm certainly no expert educator, you know, but if, if I can give what I know and what I've learned to young folk, then I think that's great, especially when you see, then see a result, you know, even just the basics of lighting a little spark in somebody, you know, especially if they come up to you and say, Byron, I'm struggling with vibrato, can you, and you sort of say, well, try this, try that, and they go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, brilliant, oh, great, oh, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. You've got so much experience yeah. playing, like professionally, exactly. that, that it's always going to be interesting for. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Just just hearing the bits and bobs that I know, and you know, and again, you know, if that can make things better, then that's 
that's job done, isn't it? Really. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I think overall with my education work, that's my inspiration. You mentioned the Walton uh, Violin yeah, Concerto, yeah, which yeah. You, you're going to perform with your prior North yeah. Youth Orchestra oh, next less, month. Less than that. Yeah, yeah, December. Yeah, yeah, December. Yeah. Oh, it's coming quick. Coming quick. Yeah. Um, and you've been involved in, in coaching them, as I think, as well. Yes. The last year. What, what has that been like? Brilliant. Yeah. You know, obviously, we're we're, a, we're from a standing start with the youth orchestra, so we're we're putting it out there for young students really aren't we it's kind of mm-hmm. it's university students yeah. and college students from Leeds and around and about that want to um, explore their playing and be, and you know improve a little and play some nice rep mm-hmm. and also with the, the Opera North stamp on. Why do you think this particular youth orchestra is different from other orchestras? Well I think it's the it's sort of the life lear- lifelong learning thing isn't it I think it plugs into that a bit it's quite good seeing that grow and build and I'm sort of hoping you know with a bit of luck in two or three seasons time we should be pretty you know we're getting there you know. and do you feel the work you're doing well as an educator even though you said you were not an <laughs> educator <laughs> complements your playing as a violinist yeah. is there things that you can bring back to the work you do on a daily basis yeah there's definitely a commonality isn't it if you if you explore how to do something with somebody else you then reflect on yourself don't you and you you think oh yeah I suppose I could do that as well or or if you're trying to explain a bowing technique say to a young person which you don't necessarily usually think about you just sort of do it so actually explore that again it's kind of yeah it it makes you reflect on the way you do things and maybe think oh actually maybe I wasn't doing that exactly oh yeah yeah, 100% 100% 100% you think you kind of look at yourself oh no I'm not doing that either am I (laughs) no it's really cool and the youth orchestra this time we're playing Sibelius second symphony mm-hmm. piece I've played dozens of times and you take a piece like that for granted in a way so then you come back to it and you kind of go oh yeah I see that oh that's a bit tricky that bit we don't, well, I don't mm. really think about it anymore so that's really good as well why do you think that it's important for a company like Opera North to be engaging with young people in this way it's kind of behoven on arts organisations, isn't it, to look after what would be potentially employees in the future, but also, you know, audiences. If you sow the seed of music in young people, then, you know, with a bit of luck, they'll come and see you and pay money and support you, you know, in the future. So, you know, if you can cast the net wide, and Opera North does that anyway, doesn't it? I mean, think about combination of in harmony and the work the chorus does and the character chorus and all that kind of thing. We must reach thousands of yeah. children every week, you know, yeah, yeah. without really thinking about Definitely. it. Yeah, yeah. If we do that, I think it keeps it fresh, doesn't it? You know, rather than a sort of dusty old thing on a shelf, kind of just doing its thing. And, and also break down barriers, doesn't it? Elitism, things you might not understand. Now, I, was, I was having a conversation with friends at the weekend who ha- have never been to the opera and there's all these conceptions that opera is expensive and not for you and anything. Speaking to them, they were actually very open to come and try it. And I think mm. if people can experience coming to the opera, anybody can love classical music and opera. But if, yeah. you, if you don't have access to it or don't have the chance to experience it, how do you know that you like it? Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I've always been about that, you know, taking music to people. That, mm-hmm. You know, it's always good to surprise people, you know, in a sense. Yeah. Um, some of the, my best musical experiences have been where you're taking a piece of music out into the community to play for people that don't. And you, and you can play really hardcore things, you know. I've played Shostakovich's eighth 
yeah. string quartet to a community in central Birmingham, in Ladywood, in a fire station. They didn't know what they were going to get, and we, we hit them with this yeah. piece, and they were blown away, you know. So I think yeah. for us, similar, isn't it? And yeah, yes, of course, it's three hours long. You, you do have to invest. And these days, a lot of films are over two hours as well. Correct. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. I mean, you're happy to sit through Lord of the Rings, aren't you? Yes, you are. You know, you can sit through Tosca without any trouble, I don't think. Then you get a drink at the interval and it's a lovely building, isn't it? Yeah. The Grand Theatre or the other theatres we play out are beautiful. So it's a night out yeah. with fantastic tunes, a bit of sort of sex and death along the way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, lovely. If you had any advice to give to a young instrumentalist who might be considering going on to study violin um, in a conservatoire or music college and embarking on a career, what would that be? I think work hard, trust your process. You're not going to suddenly get there, just like within two weeks or whatever, or six months. You have to keep believing in yourself and in others as well, you know, and gain knowledge. You know, always be open to new things and ask loads of people about lots of things. We can be a bit centrist. You know, we have our teacher and then that's it. Yeah. But I think actually if you ask lots of people about things, then, you know, you can filter what you like, what you, you know, what you think's a bit weird, what you think's great. You can come to your own conclusions. There was one other thing, but I've forgotten. Generally work hard, gain your knowledge, uh, meet lots of people. Oh, that was it. Never say no. Okay, yeah. So my best musical experiences have been ones where, you know, the phone's rung and they said, oh, can you come to such and such? And you go, oh, do I go all the way up there? And they say, yeah, okay. And you turn up and something amazing happens and and you think, oh, blimey, I could have said no to that just because it was, (laughs) just because it was 20 quid less than I was expecting for my fee. Or you think, oh, I've played that piece loads of times. You always meet somebody or some little light or go on on your dashboard and you think great never say no would you have any advice for auditions i know that to get a job as a permanent yeah. member of an orchestra yeah. you have to audition obviously yeah. they are part and parcel but you're either an audition freak but or you're not it's guys yeah. hard auditions are hard and you sort of have to get over that thing right okay auditions are hard it's how you then deal with how you feel about it some people just reel them off If you're one of those people who don't, then you have to find a way of doing that. And there's a lot of support now. When I started out doing them, it was just simply a case of sink or swim. Yeah. That was the end of it. Whereas now, you know, there's there's all kinds of psychologies of all sorts of things. How did you deal with... I mean, I imagine you've had a few rejections along the way. So how do you deal with with that? I think you have to see that as a normal part. Yeah, think right now. Some, some I will walk in the room and I'll absolutely ace it. Others I'll walk in and it's just not happening. And you just have to... To accept it. Accept yeah, it. Yeah. You've got 15 minutes. Let's face it, you know, if you, I don't know, dating or anything, <laughs> isn't it? You know, or meeting somebody for the first time, you know, yeah. you'll either be in the mood or you won't be in the mood and they might be in the mood or not in the mood. So I mm-hmm. think you just have to accept that and... Um, keep going. And just yeah. keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. And again, you know, just just play to lots of people. Put your put your stuff on, put your audition outfit on, and go and go and play to somebody. You know, my family have been subjected to like, you yeah, know, <laughs> just put them in a room. I'm going to play to you. Yeah, you know, or, or a friend. 
Yeah. You know, I've been around to friends' houses who got a really good friend who's a partner at PwC and he's a data analyst. He doesn't, you know, he knows about a bit about music, but he's not a musician. Yeah. And equally, I've got a friend who's a doctor of physics, you know, and I'll just like, can I just play to you? You know, and they, what? Yeah, can I just play? and you just play your stuff. It's just getting that normal churn of going, right, I'm just going to play somebody now. That's the key. So get well, well prepared, as well prepared as you can. And then just play to lots of people. What do you think is the most amazing part of your job? And maybe before you answer that, um, what is the most difficult aspect of being a professional musician? Which one first? Do the hard bit first, <laughs> and, and, and we'll end up on a positive note. I think the difficult bit is 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 keeping going day on day, mm -hmm. and you'll get you'll get your knocks, and and that's either you've played a concert and you've had an absolute howler, or a bad day at work. Or, you know, you've had an altercation with somebody in a band room or, you know, that kind of thing or all that little, those little bits and bobs of life. So that, that's the thing. And also, obviously, we give of ourselves. Then the next day, thinking, right, I'm going to shrug that off now. I'm on to the next thing. We're going to start again. I think that's the most difficult bit, keeping going day on day. But then the best thing is that then the next day you'll, you'll play and people will love it. You'll get the, the weeping and cheering, as we call it, in our house. You get audiences that love what you do. You play to anybody and they love it, really. I mean, it's only, you know, it's very, very rarely, really, that you'll play something to somebody and they'll go, well, no, 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 that's not. I don't, I don't think I've ever had, I don't think I've ever had that, really, in a, in a non, non critical environment. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's the, I think that's the best bit, really. And the, and the amazing music, which obviously I've got to know during my life. And that's like, it's incredible, really. There's still other pieces to add. And there is always something new, and that's the best bit as well, you know, every day. You know, you might have to play a piece again for the nth time, but actually you might, you'll find something new in it. Something new will happen, you know. It's like one of those Bruegel paintings, isn't it? You, you know, you think yeah. you've looked at it enough times, and then all of a sudden you go, hey, well, there's that thing there. You know? I suppose it's the magic of live performance, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, there'll be a bit that you think you know yeah. super, super well, and then, whoa, black eyes. Something will happen. So I, think that's, I think that's the best bit. You've been listening to the Artistic Futures podcast with violinist Byron Parrish. Next time, I'll be speaking to bass baritone and opera director John Savone. If you have any burning question for future guests or would like to suggest people you would like to meet, please email education at opranorth.co.uk. You can also find us on Twitter, search Opranorth Education. See you next time!